Amen. I've said it before that I do appreciate the consecration and the anointing of the, the ministry in this church. And their heart to know the things of God and to seek a deeper way for the things of God. Just to understand more in their walk and their commitment to the things of God. I, I was just thinking today how I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I got to this position or this place in this church body. I have no idea. I still feel at times that it's like pastor just looked out at me in the crowd and said, here's the mic, why don't you come up here and do something with it? And it's a humbling experience to feel that. But I'm thankful for what God's done in my life. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve His mercy. But He's good. And He's faithful. None of us is worthy of what He offered to us. But He offered it anyways. And I didn't know they were going to sing that song. But it's very fitting for what the Lord's laid on my heart. What I'm going to preach or teach or just speak on from my heart is, is a two-sided coin. And I pray it touches someone's heart and reaches to them. It gives you the strength to keep going. We don't have much time left. If I were to tell you what I believe, some would be shocked. Some would just laugh is the time we have left, but it's not much time. And we have to be prepared, and we have to be ready to meet Him. And I want us all to be ready and be prepared. But it's, a, it's an individual relationship. I can't get you to heaven. You have to do it yourself. You have to save yourself from the sun toward generation. There's nothing that anybody can do except what you choose to take up. If you choose what's offered to you, if you take it. But I serve a great God that's brought you here for a reason. And each of you is in a different aspect of this situation that I'll begin to talk about. And, and I pray that it speaks to your heart and your mind. Because I believe God's got great things for us. I just believe God's got something for you. I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 39, 1 through 20. While well, you're finding that, thank you, Pastor, for everything. Thank you for the house I can come to and, and worship with God. 
Worship of the people of God. And this is a place for you if you need a home church. If you need a place just to come and feel sanctuary and safety. This is a place you can come. God's in this place. And he meets with us every time we come. Amen. Genesis 39 is a familiar passage, familiar story. But one that for some weeks I've been, I've been battling with something I guess I would feel would be some of the toughest times of my ministry. And the song they sang spoke to that. Sometimes you just don't understand what you're dealing with and what you're going through. And for weeks and weeks I was battling with this. I was doing what I was supposed to do. And I, I didn't have any answers. But the Lord gave me a revelation and I pray I can share with somebody who's dealing with the same thing. And in Genesis 39, 1 through 20, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian brought him, or bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for the Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. And there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, and she called unto the men of her house, and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass, when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant unto me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's masters took him 
and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. And I want to preach and speak on just this topic, prisoner of the king. Prisoner of the king. Will you help me pray? Jesus, in your name, I come before you, O God, humbly. Lord, that your word speaks to someone, O God, in this place. That I get into my mouth what you put in my heart, O God. Lord, that your anointing reign, Lord, in someone's life, someone's heart, doesn't know what direction to turn. Lord, I praise you and I magnify you and I worship you and I praise you. Jesus, in your name, have your will and your way in this place. In your name, in Jesus' name, amen. The Bible is rife with a number of prison stories. A number of stories of, of great men that had to go through times in their life they did not understand what was going on. We have stories of Samson, who was taken prison, a prisoner, had his eyes plucked out. But in a greatest story of, of renewal and restoration, God filled them with the power of the Holy Ghost one more time. And that in his death, he, he, he took out more lives and created a, a greater victory than he ever did in his life. Some of Jeremiah's greatest prophecies were from a prison cell. Things that God had, had lifted onto his heart and put upon his heart as he was sitting in a, in a mud hole. And God did great works through him. He was the weeping prophet crying over the, the state of his country. And our country is not good. And our country is not well. There was a story of Peter, who through intercessory prayer was broken out of his prison cell. There was story after story of God redeeming and, and taking care of the situations of people that have been placed into prison. Paul and Silas, praising and magnifying God in the midnight hour, was set free in a prison cell. Prison is not a place that any of us want to be in. Prison is not a place that anybody who is trying to do the right thing or doing the will of God want to find themselves in. And it's prison that I've come to talk about. Psalm 69 and 30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. For the Lord heareth the poor and despiseth not his prisoners. I'm speaking about prisoners of the king. You have come here with heaviness on your mind, heaviness on your heart, of things that you do not understand. And there is a God that has you right where he wants you. You don't understand what you've been put in, what's been weighing upon your spirit. You don't understand it. But I'm telling you, God knows exactly where you're at. Paul, at the end of his ministry, wrote some of the greatest epistles that he had from prison. 
He wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Where you're at is exactly where God has you in mind. He's got a purpose for your situation. God issues grace and mercy to each one of us. Even in the prison that we feel sometimes, there is mercy and grace extended to us. It was from prison that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wrote in Ephesians 6 and 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Scholars believe he was chained to a soldier when he began to ride, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. Joseph was doing the best he had in a bad situation. He went from a pit to slavery, but everywhere he went, he made his situation better. He trusted in God and he walked with God the best way he knew how. But even in the spite of what he was trying to do in that bad situation, Trouble found him. Job 3 and 26, I was not in safety, neither had I rest. Neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. And this is what followed Joseph. I was doing the best I could, and trouble still found me. It was betrayal, it was possible death, slavery. And finally, I had a little bit of peace. I had a little bit of comfort, and then that was taken from me. It was trouble again. And he was committed into prison. But because of who Joseph was in Genesis 39 and 22, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made to prosper. Where you're at right now and where you're feeling which I felt. I felt emptiness. I felt like I didn't understand why I was feeling the way I was doing. I was fasting. I was praying. I was doing what I was needed to do. And where you're at right now is that there are people in this place that need you so desperately bad. They need your commitment. They need your consecration. They need your spirit to lift them out because they are prisoners and have no direction. And you may not understand it and you may not feel right, but what you do and what you speak to their situation and their life is necessary for their life because they're looking for direction. It is not unto yourself to just keep it to yourself. God has placed you here because you are his prisoner. It may not be something you want to hear, but he's got you here for a purpose because it's as a prisoner that he knows exactly where you're at. And it's as a prisoner that you begin to call on him. And it's as a prisoner that you'll seek after him the way that you need to seek after him. 
And he has entrusted you with the prisoners that we're all in a state of prison right now. We don't understand this world we live in. We don't understand the trouble that comes our way. It is so foreign to us that we come. It's almost like we live in a different country. Because the sin in this world is so foreign to us. And we are in a prison. But God knows exactly what we're dealing with. And he knows exactly where we're at. And he's got his eye on you. And can I tell you that where you go from here depends on what you're willing to do. He had them right in this moment, that, right in the place. Joseph was right where God wanted him. And it was, took several years, two years before God was able to pull him out of that place. All Joseph wanted was freedom. He just wanted to go back home. I wanted to go back to the same old, same old that I used to have. But it wasn't for a couple of years that God said, look, I'm going to pull you out, but I'm giving you more responsibility. And you got to be willing to take more responsibility. you got to be able to reach to more people and speak to more people. You're going to stay in prison as long as it's necessary to get you to wake up to what you need to do. There's a calling on your life, and there's a purpose for your life. Here's the second side of the coin. Genesis 37. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren, they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, when we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to them, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. There is a problem that I, I, I've, I've come in contact with so often is that in our lives anymore, we have, we have found the idea of sin as apostasy. Apostasy is denying or, res, or renouncing a previously held religious belief. Sin in our life now is something we don't talk about and we don't point out anymore. We are living in a time where it is intolerant to speak about sin and speak about the wrongs that we commit in our lives. Sin has almost become mythological we have to be tolerant. We have to tolerate what's wrong. Joseph told his brothers he was already the favorite. He was already blessed by his own dad. And his brothers knew it. And in pride and arrogance, he told them his dream. He could have pulled his dad aside quietly and said, I had this dream. But no, let me go brag to my brothers about what's going to happen. It was pride. And pride led him, and their envy led him to be cast into a pit. And it's our pride in what we believe that we are, we're capable of doing, and the lives that we're able to avoid and to touch and to hurt and to harm that cast us into a pit of sin long ago. But it was mercy that brought us out and did not slay us and did not take our life. It was mercy that brought us out of that pit. 
But it, we did not always take the right path once we were out of that pit. We had to go through some slavery to it. We had to go through some slavery on our journey to where we needed to be. And Joseph found himself in a place where he was prospering and things seemed like they were going okay. But sin found him. That wife came and was tempting him daily, it said. Daily, daily, daily. And yet he got nonchalant about the situation he was in. He got nonchalant around that serpent-like wife that was around him. And when he could have taken another servant with him, or he could have at least held stand outside the door until the master got home and explained the situation in some nice way. No, he went in and went about his business oblivious to the danger he was in. He took it for granted, the sin that was lying at the door. He did not commit the sin, but it was the act of being around it. And we are nonchalant with the sin that is around us on a daily basis. We live around sin always and constantly. And we take it for granted and we walk close to it. And we play with it and we tease it. And then whenever we're cast into a prison because of it, we're shocked. This world is full of sin. It's full of wrong and evil. And it, it, it's pervasive over every aspect of our life. And it gets to the point where we choose what's acceptably wrong. This is okay for me because it's not as bad as this. Sin is a very real danger and a very real problem. And he was cast into prison. And two other men joined him. The butler and the baker. There were three men in this prison. And these three men represent humanity. You got a butler who made a mistake and was cast into prison. You had a baker who made a mistake and was cast into prison. And you have Joseph who was cast into prison for nothing he did. But the problem was that they all three were offenders. And that's where we find ourselves. Sin has to be dealt with. No matter where you find yourself, you may have made a mistake and you're here. And you're an offender. You might have made a mistake like the baker did and was an offender. And then like Joseph, you might have lived your life fine, but there is still a debt that needs to be paid. There is still an offense in all of our life. There is sin. David said, I was born in sin, shaped in iniquity. There is problems in our life, and there is sin that has to be dealt with. The butler was restored. David or Joseph told him his dream. And in three days he was restored. But the baker had to die. Both men had their heads lifted, as the Bible said. But for some reason, the butler lived and the baker died. And I began to question this. I began to ask myself, why was it that these two men who seemingly had the same offense or same problem, one died and one survived? And what I can see from this is that the butler was valuable. The butler was the cupbearer. He was in charge of overseeing if the, the king was poisoned or not through the cup that was offered to him. Whatever the butler did was not worthy of death. 
It was not something that, that God could not trust him with. and It wasn't about a faithful thing. Maybe he just lapsed in his judgment. But he was useful. But whatever the baker did, there was no use for him. There was no purpose for him. He died because he was easily replaced. He was brought out of the prison just to die. And I can tell you right now that it's what we do with the times that we're in prison. And it's how we react whenever we are brought out of prison that makes a difference. Are we useful when we come out of prison? Or are we just going to go back to the same ways we used to? John 8 and 31, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is servant of sin. It is better to be a prisoner of the king than be a servant of sin. It is better to be a prisoner of the king. Because as a prisoner of a king, he knows what you're dealing with. He knows where you're at. He's watching you. He's got you protected. It may seem confining and shackling, but he knows where you're at. But when you're a servant of sin, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what direction you're going to go in and what problems are going to come your way. Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that was the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, that was the lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, that's a pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. These are the things that we battle with, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are the three things that continue to trip us up as it did all the way back to the beginning. And it's something that we must contend with today. And I know it's not a running and shouting message, but it's sin must be dealt with. And unless we repent of our sin and we are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, there will be no change in our life. Repentance is not, I'm walking this way and I change and go after something a little bit similar to it. Repentance is a complete turnaround from where I was going and the direction I was headed. It's repentance and we have to live repentant. The axe is laid to the root of the tree. Pastor said that this morning. We are so close that I can feel eternity on my heels. And we play so nonchalant with sin in our life. And there are things that got to be rooted out. And we take for granted the things that are in this life. 
And we put levels on sin. Sin is sin, is iniquity. It is transgression from the rules and the law of God. And if we are not ready, we will be snuffed out. If we don't repent, it's our pride. It's our pride that will kill us. It's our pride that will keep us in, in prison for eternity. Water baptism is not convenient. I have to get wet. I have to, to be uncomfortable. But it's a humbling experience. Do you know when they used to baptize in rivers, that was the lowest portion they were in. They had to walk down into it. That was a humbling experience. If you get in our baptistry, you have to walk up a set of stairs and then walk down into the water. It is a humbling experience. We have to be humble at this time. And if we have sin in our life, we have to admit it. We cannot just wash it aside and say, you know what, I, I don't have anything wrong. I'm clean. There is a very real hell waiting for people who don't want to repent of their sins. Joseph spent too long close to the dangerous sin of Potiphar's wife. He got comfortable with it. We get so comfortable with things. David said that I won't put any wicked thing before mine eyes. Wicked is morally bad, but it also means worthless. We will watch things that are worthless to our eternal salvation, but yet they are wicked. And we will brush it off as something that's just fine for me to partake in. And we think that God's going to be acceptable of that one day. Or worse yet, we don't even believe God's coming back. I've told people before how sad it would be that I came here day after day after day after day and I heard the Word of God preached to me day after day and I never took advantage of any of that. And when that rapture time happened, I was here left alone. What was the point of me coming in day after day and hearing this just to be lost? What a waste of my life. I could have been doing everything else I wanted to do. But I'll come here, hear it, and ignore everything. Sin's got to be dealt with. This may not have been pretty, but this is a word of God He laid on my heart. For some of us, we're prisoners just waiting time because the royal decree is coming forth and our reward's waiting for us. But for others, you're in a prison because God is deciding if you're going to make the right choice. And we have people here that are overseers of the prison that are trying to help you. That'll try to get you to make the right decision. That will try their very best and pray and cry and weep and stretch our hands to you, but we cannot make you make the decision. 
Sin is coming due. We are in a grace period. If you're late on a payment, you sometimes have a grace period, and that's where we're at. There's a payment coming due, and we are in a grace period. But that payment has got to be met. And the only way we can pay that debt is by repenting of our sins. Being filled with the Holy Ghost and being washed in that precious water in the name of Jesus Christ. And you have the power to make the change. You have to choose the Lord and choose His ways and repent of your sins. It takes repentance of our sins to make this happen. Repentance requires godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is not, I'm just sorry because I got caught, I made the mistake. But God, I'm sorry that I've taken what you've done in your sacrifice on Calvary for granted. I'm tired that I'm sorry that I've hurt you, that I've caused pain, that I've taken it for granted. God is calling someone here to get your act right, get your situation right. I have this ability that I don't know much about anybody in this place, and I, I prefer that because I can say these things because that's what God's laid on my heart. You're in danger. I can tell you that right now, you're in danger. God's coming very soon. And if you do not make it right, if you do not let bitterness or anger or hostility or whatever immoral thing that there is, let it go. You're going to be lost. He is looking for a bride that has made herself ready. Do you hear me? She made herself ready. It wasn't him coming in. She said, I'm going to choose to follow the Lord. My house and, and myself are going to choose to follow God. I'm closing. We have to be ready. And we have to be valuable to the king. This is kingdom work. This is not freeload work. This is kingdom work. Jesus said, come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. But he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. There is work to be done. He will give you rest, but the rest comes in your labor. There was work to be done. There was a God that is seeking after someone here. You've been in prison for a long time. And there's a freedom moment coming. But what happens after that is going to determine everything. And how you respond and what you do and how you take this time as a prisoner where you're at right now is going to make the difference in where you're going in eternity. If you will live for the Lord in this prison time, when you don't understand why, when you don't understand why God put you here, why God's done these things, and why, why God, why? It's because I wanted you in a prison where you're going to begin to ask me why. Because you'll have a relationship with me. Why, God? If you'll begin to call on Him, He's going to be there for you. And I stressed again, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. He's going to thoroughly purge His floor. 
And the chaff's going to be burned with unquenchable fire. Now, I don't know if this spoke to anybody here. I'm sure because of pride, there'll be no takers. But I can tell you that you don't have to do it here, but you do have to make it right somewhere. If you got to get home in your bedroom on your floor with your face before God, make it right. Get right with the Lord because we don't have much time. And I feel this in my spirit for somebody you've been fighting for far too long. And there is a blessing for you, but you got to let go of yourself. Let go of your pride. God is fixing to pour out blessing upon everybody in this congregation who is doing what they need to do. The call is coming forth to come out. He's going to lift our heads up. But are we going to be restored? Are we going to be placed back in places of authority and dominion? Or are we going to be cast aside? And I don't know if this has spoken to anybody. But if every head's bowed and every eye's closed, if you begin to just seek after the Lord, we serve a holy God. He is a holy Lord. We must be separate. We must be holy. We cannot take for granted our grace, for it's only extended for a small amount of time. He's not given us grace to sin, but to make it right, to live an overcoming holy life. Make it right tonight. Don't wait. You don't know how much time you have. You don't know when your call is going to come, when he's going to reach to you and say, your time is up, your number's up. I'm called into the prisoners. You're a prisoner to the king. Be valuable to the king. Make yourself valuable to the king. Make your heart right before him. Purge your heart. Jesus, in your name, I praise you and I magnify you. I worship you, Lord, and I praise your name. Purge us, O oh God. If there be any wicked way, cleanse us. Lord, let us be right with you. Let us not take for granted, O oh God, your mercy and your grace. Let us live for you with our whole heart, O oh God. Let us humble ourselves and seek your face. Turn from our wicked ways. Heal our homes. Heal our families. Heal our lands. Lord, I praise you. I cannot be found wanting, oh God. I don't want to be found wanting. I want to have done too much, oh God, and not just a little. I want to be right, oh God. Purge me, oh God. Cleanse me. Lord, I praise you and I magnify you. I feel the presence of the Lord in here for somebody. You're right where he wants you and he hasn't forgotten about you. He's just wanting you to seek him. To turn your heart to him wholly and wholeheartedly. You've been doing it on your own for so long. 
He wants a relationship with you that you've never known before. But you have to let go of what you're holding on to. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. I know you love me, God. And I seek after you, Lord. I seek after your way. And I seek after your heart. I need you, oh God, more than I need my next breath. Oh God, I praise your name and I magnify you. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for your mercy and your love for me every day. I thank you for helping me to get here tonight. I thank you for helping me get home tonight. I thank you that I'm not critically ill, oh God. I thank you for everything you've done. I thank you for your mercy always, oh God. It's in you that I move, that I have my very being. to the Lord don't let bitterness consume you don't let life as a prisoner consume you God put you here because he wants you to call to him you're a prisoner to the king that means you have special privileges God still loves you Jesus, in your name, I praise you and I love you, God. Oh, Lord, I praise you and I magnify you. God, I must be right. Above all, I must be saved. Oh, God, above all, I must be saved. I want you to save my children, save my wife, but above all, I must be saved.
just come to the altar. This is the place where change takes, where it happens. It's at the altar.